Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hardcover Hooligans. I'm Danilo. I'm joined here by my good friend and literate ape, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a very important question for you, Mac. Yeah, please, go ahead. Uh, when you inevitably exploit the belief and culture of an oppressed people for your own political gain, how many wives do you want? <laughs> Two! I want two wives, Danilo! Two wives? Yeah! Me and Paul have a lot in common. And then another, and then, uh, another old one to carry your stuff around for you, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not an idiot, of course. I gotta have my Skyrim NPC. I can dump all my uh, uh, loot for- little plastic spoons I find around the world on. <laughs> and all the children you have. Of course, and that die off screen. <laughs> <laughs> all right so everyone we are back at it with the classic science fiction novel dune we are reading the second part plus the bonus reading the appendices mac did you read the appendices nope i okay, when the book was over i shut the book <laughs> when the main book okay. was, well I, I i i leafed through them um and then i was like this is just lore and then i closed the book yeah it's all just lore i never read them before and i thought you're going to read them and then call me out on it for not reading them. And so oh, I read no, them. the opposite has occurred. <laughs> I can do a little book report at the end of yeah, the appendices. Um, they're interesting. But it's just like, here's all the lore I made up that I couldn't fit anywhere else. Yeah, similarly to a different book, I was pretty sick of all the lore, so I didn't want to learn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was done learning. Well, uh, Frank Herbert was a coward and put it all at the end of his book in appendices, not full page lore dumps before every chapter. Like another have, author yeah. we could talk about. He's a fucking loser. So we are done with the novel. Mac, general vibes uh, on the whole book before we dive into a plot summary right. and the description. So, uh, you know, I, I I'm not sure I like this book. Like I came away sort of okay. like, I, I, I thought that, cause you know, we taught when it switches, uh, towards the end of the section we, we read for the last episode and it starts to be more about like prophecy and, and, um, like, uh, messianic, is that the word I'm looking for? Religion? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, messianic, uh, real, real, uh, 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 messianic type of story. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the inversion of, of this like trope. And that never, that never happened <laughs> now. So here's something, right? I have uh-huh. learned cause I, I, I finished the book and I was like, there's that, that's ridiculous. I cannot believe. <laughs> and it, and it's because like this book and Dune Messiah are were originally one book. Oh, I didn't know that was literally true. I yeah. know people talk he, about he, like, he added he like wrote Dune and was like, "No, this isn't good. I'm going to add on to it like for this ending and then that'll be the book." I could be wrong about this, but I I, I was just looking this up and I think the publisher was like, "No, it has to be two. But I know people consider it like two halves of a full sort yeah. of story in terms of what Frank Herbert was trying to say. So that sort of makes sense. If it's not not literally a right the second book, but like, you know, spiritually, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from what I know about Dune Messiah, that that tracks 
like the plot yeah. points about Paul's journey. But this this book at by the end it really sort of feels like nothing nothing happens and then like a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> like if, and that's if, a, I know like, we really I feel like we're, we're <laughs> It might sound every if book you, we talk uh, about. I know. Like, do it, we just is this what book is this just what books do? Well, I think <laughs> it's like what we. It's like the climax, and it feels like a lot at at once because it is because it's the climax of a book. But this book, like, like I don't know. There's like a this book does not feel like it should end in a lightsaber fight, and it actually it actually does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, a lightsaber know, fight felt, where you know exactly who's going to win the whole time. Yeah. And and where he gets rid of the whole concept of shields because even he knows it's stupid. Like, and they just have like a normal knife fight. Uh, I don't know. Just by the end, I sort of felt a little a little out in the out in the cold on Dune. I think I still like it, but I don't. There's like real Dune. There's Dune heads. You know, there's there's huge Herbert heads out there. And yeah, I, I don't know. think unless I read. I think I'm going to read Dune Messiah because I have to. Like, yeah. it's driving me up a fucking wall like i just need to yeah. figure it out but yeah what did you think i think when i first read this book i in high school i like finished it and like i think i thought i missed something and there was like things i did miss because i was in high school with you know lower reading comprehension yeah and i read this book and then about halfway through i'm like oh i'm feeling this like this is good and then it sort of got to the same point when I read it last time, and then it ended, and then I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Like, my arc was sort of, I started the book annoyed, and then it was good, and then I ended it pretty annoyed. <laughs> In that, I think it felt like a book of all setup, and then the payoffs weren't payoffs at all. So it felt very anticlimactic. In a way that... Uh, does not feel on purpose. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And that, you know, could be because it's supposed to, you know, it, it Paul's story ends in a different book. Yeah. Which yeah. sucks. Like, that fucking sucks. Like, I did not know that when I went into this book. Mm. Like, so just reading that in a vacuum, I'm like, what the, f-? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, Interesting. Because then no I ending. read, because then I read Dune Messiah after reading this in high school. And I literally remember nothing from that book. Hmm. I think it went way over my head. I think it gets into like the more that prophecy emperor power yeah. thing. Well, I've heard uh, through the grapevine that this is the this is the best written book. Yeah, I think in terms of a book, I also being annoyed by the end. Of course, I went <laughs> uh, through, and it sounds like the general consensus is you know Frank Herbert maybe didn't have the the best writing skills to uh express the ideas he had in the form of science fiction novels yeah <laughs> cuz like the i think the ideas like first like overall i think like the originality and the world building and like the ideas are super cool oh yeah definitely but then on the page you're kind of like what it's like yeah, I don't know. It's like just it just doesn't come through, which is why it's cool in like a like another book series we've talked about. Yeah, that's I was unfortunately it's cool getting when you're vibes describing like it to someone, but like actually going through it, you're like kind of like what? 
Okay. And that's why I didn't read the appendices, because I was like, I'm not... I care about these characters. And, you know, like, I mean, you know, we're talking about it. I was getting, towards the end of this book, like, real Brandon vibe a little bit from, like, the, <laughs> these char- the way these characters are talking to each other. I'm like, this oh, is... Oh, yeah. I'm like, this... Every time... I saw this funny uh, forum post that was like, every time... Uh, and I totally agree. Every time a character says anything clever, another character internally is like, look how the spider weaves their web. Of- <laughs> <laughs> it's like it happens every fucking time. <laughs> and uh, in like, there's there's no, these people aren't, aren't characters. They're no. like cardboard cutouts of, it's like a morality play almost. It's like every man. You ever read, is that what that's called? The every, yeah, the every yeah, man? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all sort of represent like. the thing that Frank Herbert has decided they're about. Yeah. Like there's some people that feel like, like, I feel like Jessica is the most person who's like a person. And even that, it's is not great. <laughs> I think I think Gurney Halleck is the most well-rounded character. Like I don't he, he just appears again in the back half of this book and uh-huh. is like going through I mean he has a big well he's a pretty funny scene. I I think it's funny when he, he <laughs> we first meet him again. I was like that this cannot be how we meet Gurney Halleck again and he's just cool with all this murder but uh I thought his like him I was I was pretty bored, and then Gurney Halleck comes back, and he's like, "Yeah, I love you, Paul." And then in in his inner monologue, he's like, "But I'm gonna fucking kill your mom." I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" <laughs> now that gets resolved pretty lamely and really fast, but like that that was an interesting like character dilemma because once Paul becomes uh, Paul uh, Muadib Atreides, he is he is not a character anymore. No, and he barely he was like went to whiny whiny little boy and then he had like a drug trip and now he's like Jesus Christ. He does feel <laughs> like that's not a character. Yeah. It does feel like reading um a book about aliens. Like they all feel yeah, like aliens and like I think there's 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 possibly an in-world explanation for that in that they are. Right. <laughs> um but <laughs> interesting I interesting. Think Occam's Razor makes yeah, me feel yeah. like they're just not very well-rounded uh, characters. But I think we're getting very in the weeds, and yeah, we, we have are. not uh, described anything uh, that has happened. So, when last we left Paul and his mom, they were stuck in the desert, uh, and they are trying to escape. They run into a sandworm, and they sort of get chased by a sandworm into a sort of like a rock lair where they run into the Fremen. That's convenient. Yeah, very convenient. They run right into Stilgar. Uh, and they run right into Stilgar, which is the the leader of the Fremen who had an agreement with Paul's father. And there's like a power standoff um, that feels weird. I don't know, how do you, like, Stilgar's like, oh yeah, we I liked your dad, so I'll save the son, but this this woman's just dead weight. Uh, so she has to like prove herself and then she like, there's a lot of power posturing with like the Fremen. Like they're all Mm -hmm. hyper obsessed with like, how are we gonna like demonstrate that we we can subdue these people? Yeah. Well, they're like a nomadic warrior tribe. So Mm -hmm. 
so they only because this is I'm happy you brought this up. So they only accept Paul because they like Duke Leto, right? Not because just he's like a man. Yes, I think in the beginning, like okay, oh, okay. we'll protect the son, and then but like Jessica, we don't know, and then she uses her Benny Gesserit space right. nun the mind powers. Way. <laughs> the weirding uh, way Je- jessica's whole gimmick i think that i i, I didn't have a, a problem with that because her whole gimmick is like to for lack of a better term um uh, this is not i'm just gonna say it femme she's like a femme fatale uh <laughs> you know like she's she's like oh the the duke's like very beautiful concubine but really she's a jedi <laughs> <laughs> yep. um uh but uh it's obviously more nuanced than that um but I thought it was because I like Jessica a lot um, mm-hmm. in this in this book, especially in the second half. She's she's she and Gurney Halleck are my favorite parts of this second half. Um, and she uh, I like that. They're like, well, Paul's like a young like we can teach him to to fight. And then he's like, well, what do you have to offer? And she's like, I'm I have a science fiction magic. And he's like, all right, you want to be my wife? <laughs> and I can teach all of you. <laughs> and I do, I and really like, appreciated that Stilgar, there's like this weird, I, I just, I kind of thought this was like fun. They have like a weird flirty relationship at first. <laughs> and then they're both kind of like, no, I don't know, but maybe, I don't know. They have a real will. They have, it's a real Ross and Rachel, a real Stilgar and Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought, I just thought, because it never comes up again. I just thought it was kind of uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I was just like on the lookout for weird stuff that stands out. I don't know why. Well, it never. They never like find. Uh, oh, actually, they do. They find Gurney Halleck, but like Paul at this point is essentially the leader, and he just accepts these people. But we never see them in, in dot. No, uh, accept somebody into their tribe except for. Paul and uh, Jessica. Yeah, I guess. So then, I guess from that point, like, is that from that point of view, like, it is a very big deal. Yeah, I think so. Especially like an off-worlder, because they talk about like their city people. Who mm-hmm. um, later in the book they talk about city people, and I assume if one of them found their way out into the dunes, um, they might. This might be like a similar like. This is how you get accepted. Yeah, I think we only know of like three people who get accepted by Fremen culture, and it's. Yeah. Jessica and Paul, and then uh, Liet Kynes' dad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the appendices is about him. Well, the he's first in the, he's planetarian college. This section too, isn't he? Or is that in the last section where no, he's like, has a da- dream well, so, about his dad? Oh, so that, that's in this section too. So uh, Liet Kynes, the imperial planetary... Planetologist. Plan- planetary ecologist. Planetologist. Just mush those two words together. Uh... <laughs> The Harkonnens, who are now back in control of Dune, are mad that he um, helped Paul and Jessica escape. So they leave him in the desert and he like has a like he like hallucinates his dad lecturing him about how to make uh, Arrakis habitable. Um, And then he dies in a spice blow. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's he he uh, now now we don't know this at the time, but he is hearing his dad so clearly because of spice or is it because he's just dying i think think he's just dying of heat exhaustion and so 
uh, Frank Herbert needs to get some of the crazy ecology stuff that he wants to say in to this story somehow. So we get a death scene about, like, we need this percentage of the the surface land to, like, be green, and we need this much water, and a big thing he talks about is like the Fremen culture. Like, wow, here's like a really ordered stringent culture that like you can give them hope and they will follow all the rules you need to like conserve enough water to make it green, which is, they uh, are doing that. Yeah. Well, and kind says, um, I think his, his dad hallucination says like, there's a, the tragedy like it'd be a really bad thing if the Fremen fell into the hands of a hero because they they would the hero could like use them for their own purposes, sort of the way that uh, Kynes is using the Fremen and their yeah, belief structure the for thing. his own purposes, um, namely being like the ecology of Dune. So this is so the ecology. That's one of the appendices, isn't it? The ecology of Dune. Yeah, it's called the ecology of Dune. <laughs> um, so here's uh, okay. So I guess we can talk about this a, li- a little bit now. So the going into this book, people are like, it's ecological science fiction. I assume that in later books, the planet itself will start like rejecting the attempts at terraforming, and the lesson it, we the audience uh, learn is like, oh. This th- this thing as a celestial body, in a wider universe, maybe even in a like a religious context, exists for a reason to support the life that lives here. Like the, the I don't know if there's lore about if the Fremen are from Dune. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Right? Aren't they on? No, other- I think there's no. All humans came from Earth. This is like yeah. tens of thousands of tens of thousands of years in the future. And like they're not supposed to be able to live here. So trying to terraform it for the the alien is like not. Mm-hmm. That's not what should be happening. In this book, that does not come through at all because that it's mentioned like three times. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and like once in the first section where like Kynes is talking about like. Hey, we want to make this planet more livable. And then in his death scene, it's talked about. And then in the appendix. Well, and and uh, Stilgar and Paul have a conversation about it where they're like, we're on the same page, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> well, and Paul, in the first part, Paul basically just uses it as a way to get the Fremen to support him. Like, yeah, he hey, does. if you help make me emperor, I can help you do this. And they're like, okay. And they, yeah, and they, they go along with that. But it's like, I don't know. I feel, and you know... It's like the it's like the Star Wars thing. You ever you ever talk to listen, I've been I've full disclosure, I've been this person. But you ever talk to a Star Wars fan <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, this doesn't make sense." And it's like, "Well, did you read this book that came out in 1984 <laughs> because it explains it?" Uh, that really feels like this uh I know obviously it's a series, but people talk about this first book. There's no nobody out there's like, dude, you gotta read Dune Chapter House, man. Like nobody <laughs> says that. So Yeah, people say you gotta read the first Dune because it's like ecological science fiction. Meanwhile, it's a pretty straightforward story of a Duke becoming an emperor. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like in the uh it's just just the there's no like listen I, I I understand subtlety and subtext, but there's no dissenting voice to almost anything any character ever brings up in this book. That's something I kept noticing is like 
oh, we're going to make the planet more livable? Oh, literally everybody agrees on it. Oh, Paul wants to be the Duke? Okay, literally everybody except for, like, big air quotes, the bad guys, agrees on it. Like, I don't know. It just felt like there's... It's not folded in. It feels like just like a hot... It's a... It feels like a hodgepodge of cool, crazy ideas Frank Herbert had. And then just he just, like, put them all out there. And, yeah. like, that's really it. There's a lot going yeah. on. Especially, I think, in contrast to uh, uh, the previous book we read, which was The Dispossessed. Which was yeah. the characters and the ideas and the world were all, like, I'd say basically seamlessly... <laughs> Oh, definitely. Interwoven. Well, that that was something I was thinking about a lot, especially when I finished it. Was like that the dispossessed is also a book that's really just about like themes and philosophical ideas. But like, I don't know. I, I like I will always remember Doctor Shavek and like and his surviving plight. on a barren planet. Yeah, you know? it's, it's very it's yeah I know and it, like there's it just felt like at, at one point he's trying to make. He's trying to talk about ecology in this sort of alleg- or a metaphorical way, of, uh, and then at the same time, he really wants to tell this just like messianic story. And mm-hmm. I just don't think they're meshed very well together in this. In this no. again, in this book, I don't care yeah. if it's better than the other ones. We're not talking about the other ones. It's this one. Okay, so let's go through more of what happens. That was so Liet Kynes uh, dies. Uh, and sort of also dies any uh, consideration of the whole ecological <laughs> aspect of this story, which you know it may come around in Dune Messiah, which could be interesting. Um, Jessica and Paul are sort of uh, folded into Fremen culture, and it's he through a variety for a variety of reasons he is starting to fulfill, like check all the boxes of like the. Being the Fremen chosen one, aka the Lisan Al Gaib. And part of that is because the Bene Gesserit order has like planted this myth on this planet thousands of years ago. Part of it is just Paul is good at stuff. Yes. <laughs> like fighting. <laughs> part of it is Paul can kind of see the future. And part of it is Jessica is really smart at reading body language. And so she can like say the right things or have Paul say the right things. And so through all those factors, they're like, oh, he's the chosen one and he should be in charge of us. So there you go. Yeah, it's a big, a big scam, but also it's not because he can see the future and is really good at everything. Yeah, it's. That is one of, I think, the most interesting parts of this book. It's like, it fe- like, is it opportunism? Is it skill? Is it inevitable? Is it not inevitable? Because multiple times, Paul, like, sees the future of, like, my future. This, if I follow this path, it is, like, marred in blood and horror yeah. <laughs> as my jihad rages across the galaxy. And then he, like, still keeps going, but also he can't not keep going yeah he keeps trying to he he's if taking steps back if the destination you're going backwards in is a universal jihad he keeps taking one step forward and then like 18 million steps backwards it's like he (laughs) it's like oh you know i i uh 
oh, we finally got accepted into this culture. Oh, but I had to, I kind of had to kill this guy. Oh, but I like <laughs> cried over him. But like, oh, but now they all start to worship me because I like <laughs> used my water on this uh, dead body. Yeah. He keeps stumbling it's, into a jihad. <laughs> yeah, it's like he stumbles into it, but like also he can see the different paths. And they talk about like he can't perfectly see the future. It's like a, he has like a memory, but it's like of a future possibility. And they yeah. they talk about like points in his life where like it's dark. He like can't see. He's like he's in a valley and can't see over the mountain. And that's when like he's like, okay, I don't know what happens here, so. It's usually like a fight where he has to win and then he wins. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next big thing happens is that uh, Paul fights Jameis, uh, who was a guy who was like mad that um, Jessica beat him up. <laughs> uh, and then Paul stabs him in the head. Um, and according to Fremen culture, Paul like takes possession of Jameis's family. Sure does. Including like his wife and his two sons. Who uh, start being little bodyguards? Yes, <laughs> yeah, they do. And Paul, it's—I don't know if it's a play on like uh, straight white male fantasy, <laughs> but it's like, oh no, I'm in this strange culture, and oh, I have a wife now because the culture <laughs> tells me I have to get a wife. Oh, and this other girl is also now instantly in love with me yep. too oh darn and he's like you don't have to be my wife you'll just be my servant forever <laughs> like you have to do whatever i say wink wink and she's like and she's like mad that he won't like oh, yeah, have obviously. sex with her <laughs> yeah well of course he's like You're, yeah that whole thing i was like what what <laughs> what are we doing here i think that's frank herbert being a little pervy yeah <laughs> i think there's some things where like Oh, this is a sci-fi book from the 60s. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> but through all this, Paul basically becomes a real Fremen, and he cries at James's funeral, and everyone thinks that's, like, a big deal because he's shedding water for his... Uh, for this fallen uh, Fremen. Is this the time jump? Oh, uh... No, not yet. <sighs> uh, there's, there's two more things. Uh, there's a... Uh, we basically... We meet Fade Rautha... And there's a knife fight. Oh, right, on, with the gladiator. Yeah. Uh, Gady Prime, which is the Harkonnen homeworld. Uh, and guess what, everyone? Baron Harkonnen is still fat. <laughs> yes, he and is. And you will not go a page without being reminded how fat he nope. is. Yep, and he's got suspenser, suspenser chairs, and the glow globes shine strangely over his belly rolls. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um, but uh there's like um a bunch of like court intrigue where like now thufir hawat who is the mentat of the Treides household is like serving the harkonnens and he's like playing fade rautha against the baron and then fade rautha has like a plan to make it seem like the the slave gladiator he's fighting was like not drugged even though he like still has power over him so it's like all this like plans within plans and they're all scheming against each other and it uh kind of goes nowhere yeah it's uh so it's hard to care about it (laughs) i don't i don't understand i don't get this part it's like sci-fi plot stuff like i think it just 
it happens to happen. Yeah, so, okay, so, we, well, here we meet Count Fenring. Count Fenring, yep, and his or wife, Fenring, who right. yeah. speak in the most annoying oh my way God. Uh, they're like, possible. Do you want to talk? Do you want to describe how they yeah, speak? Yeah, so they, so him and his wife are, like, real cunning, like, uh, killers and, and, and plotters and spy masters, what have you, and... In order to disguise their conversations, they talk like Woody Allen. (laughs) (laughs) And now by talk like Woody Allen, what do you mean? (laughs) uh, uh, So, so, so we're, uh, they're, they're, they're they're like very, it's like they're like nervously like Uh, pausing and uh, and like, uh, um, I, um, I, um, uh, (laughs) it's fucking terrible. And, and, uh, if you've not read, if you've not read this book, dear listener, Frank Herbert writes out it's every so single one. It happens all the, all the p- characters in this book are constantly going like, ah, like it's like <laughs> a, a H dash a H dash a H is how Frank Herbert writes. Like somebody going like, ah, which is so, it looks like they're going, ah, 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 and they start talking. <laughs> it took me a while. It's like, sounds like a yeah, robot very, is like thinking and then talking. Like a, like we gotta leave the like that and like we have to leave this interesting messianic plot to be like uh here's the evil people scheming and this weird guy that talks in code on a different planet okay and then we're back like it's i think the only thing of like again 60s this is also a 60s sci-fi book like remember (laughs) the only thing of plot importance here is like the last two sentences where we learn that like fade rautha is like a project of the benny jesuit yes which is you know which we know paul is Yes. And so they're and we know that they're related. So they're both like it's like two rising stars in like a local theater scene <laughs> like trying to duking it out for lead role in Footloose or whatever. Uh but also so yes. so he fights this this uh, slave gladiator who I thought like we had like met already because he get like I don't know, I thought it might have been like Duncan Idaho. Uh Oh. It, uh, that would have been kind of interesting, but yeah, it's not. It's just some dude. It's just a random guy. And um, so their their big plan here is that normally that these gladiator shows sound really boring, and that like it's just some royal goes into the arena and then they pretend so, well, he's like, like he's like the royal heir. He's like the heir to the baron, right? Yeah. And basically, then There's everyone like a... knows he has poisoned knives right yeah it's not a surprise he's like one knife that's not poisoned and one knife that is poisoned and the person like has this drug on them that like makes them slow or whatever and then he just goes up and like stabs them and kills them them. and then but this time ah yes good work uh good work royal heir this time uh, they're gonna pretend but not really pretend because it's for real that the drug doesn't work and he's really going to fight the gladiator but then it'll work like at because some point in the battle because he has a cold word that right, will like right, relax yeah. all the muscles and he can stab him in the head and uh this gladiator almost kills Fade Rautha but uh you know code word code word still works or you know does he get poisoned I I can't remember does the code word not work is that what it is and then he like hits him with the poison and then he stabs the gladiator stabs himself in the ch- listen it doesn't matter <laughs> Fade Rautha wins just barely 
uh, and people are going, cr- people on this planet are, because f- this, oh yeah, this doesn't take place on Arrakis, this is on uh, Harko, right? Isn't that what it's called? Or, or the Gieti, oh, Gieti, Gieti Prime, Prime yeah. is the Harkonnen homeworld. Uh, so they, you know, the audience is going crazy, and they're like, we love Fade Routha. Um, but then, oh, and then, is this when it's revealed where, like, the Baron will be like, okay, we're gonna make everyone hate Raban Harkonnen, who is on Arrakis now, and then then he's gonna, like, put remove him, and then put Fade Routha in, and yep. then everyone will love him. Yep, because uh, Fenring also he is, uh, spe- is he which the- I, th- which no, I think is directly from The Prince by Machiavelli. Is it really? <laughs> I, I just watched a video, like a philosophy video, where I think that's a literal example of like, oh, a way to be a good ruler is you put someone in charge who is awful and they do an awful job and then you take them out and you put someone in and everyone will love him even if they're also a dictator. <laughs> well, I mean, it it's like a sound plan if you're an evil bad guy but uh, Count Fenring threatens the Baron like they have this very tense conversation where uh, the Baron and Count Fenring know they've got dirt on each other and I'd forgotten all this was part of the book really like in like from what I remembered from the book it was like there were like two scenes with the Harkonnens and the rest of it was just on Arrakis with Paul. Oh, there's a big, there's big chunk. I don't of this remember book. all this. There's, there's the slave gladiator fight, and one of them's supposed to be drugged, but he's really painted. I'm like, whoa! I don't remember this at all. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, that's it. The Baron and you know, there's just more court intrigue. That like really, I mean, hey, spoiler alert, guys. The Baron dies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, really the matter. Baron dies, and then Fade Routha dies. Yes, yeah, so, so it's sort of like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fade Routha never actually gets to and be then, in charge of And then Dufir Hawat dies. Like, literally everyone in these scenes who's important and are plotting, they just die by the end of the book. The gladiator so like, okay. is dead. The slave master they plotted with dies. <laughs> like, they're all dead. And, yeah, and, and Paul doesn't even have to do anything. Like, they all just kind of die. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, and so the end of uh, book two... I guess part two of this book, which is book one of a series. Never mind. I'm going to drive myself yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, uh, back with the Fremen. Jessica, be- Jessica becomes the new reverend mother of the Fremen because there's like a wrinkly old woman, and she like abso- who like is she brought out like a wheelbarrow or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't quite like remember. A, she is like a bottle of Coke Zero, and she's in a wheelbarrow, and she's like, "Drink this soda," and then you're the new <laughs> Reverend Mother. Yeah, Jessica like drinks this. Um, they call it the Water of Life, which is like a poison. Yeah. Uh, and then she, using her crazy Benny Jesuit powers, like rearranges the molecules of this poison and uh, turns into a harmless psychedelic. Hell yeah, man. And she, like, absorbs all the previous lives of the other Reverend Mothers in, like, the chain. And so she um, has, like, all their experiences and knowledge uh, when she starts this insane uh, psychedelic trip with all the other Fremen. The important detail being that Jessica is pregnant at this time. 
and her fetus awakens in the consciousness with the knowledge of all these previous Reverend Mothers. And that becomes important in the next part. So he, uh, you know, Frank Herbert, so the whole, this is just like magic mushrooms. Like, that's a big... It is a 60s sci-fi novel. And he was big into, like, psilocybin and and magic mushrooms. Oh, sure. So the... Like, this is... It's just very funny to me that, like, you take a poison thing... It could be, like, a poisonous mushroom. And she, like, rearranged it to be, like, a cool... Like, we're gonna hang out and (laughs) experience, like, total uh, familiarity with each other's bodies. (laughs) Which is what uh, Paul and Chani do and instantly fall in love. Yep, they do. Even though she is a total non-character. Though I've heard uh, she has elfin features. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Elfin. Not elven. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut for all your Tolkien heads. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it mentions uh, she has elfin features probably five times. I think every time she comes up, it's like Chani and her elfin features. And it's like th- that's so interesting to me because like, do, do these people know what elves are? <laughs> like, well, that's the whole. Uh, that's the whole. Uh, can you say champagne in fantasy right. argument? Right. <laughs> yes, like, that's you're, true. You're going to drive yourself crazy. <laughs> well, it's just, this book is really good about that. Like, it never describes anything, but then it's like, she looks like an elf, you know, from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I had a, I did have like a double take line in here. I don't, I think it was at the end of this part where someone was talking about like the, the future stuff or Jessica was saying and she says the line you cannot back into the future which is kind of interesting but I could not stop thinking of back to the future <laughs> <laughs> like that's like just, just like back to the future <laughs> you cannot go back to the future Johnny yeah, DeLorean <laughs> Johnny <laughs> the Harkins Johnny <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This will oh. this will just come up briefly later. But the the water of life is water that a big worm died in. Yeah, like when a when a big sandworm dies, it like exhales this. Probably it's like stomach acid or something. Yeah, it's gross. Um, and it's poison. But hey, magic Jedi can turn it into magic mushrooms. She sure so. can. And now we have the big famous two year time jump. Oh yeah, between baby. book two and book three. And now two years have passed. The beginning and the beginning starts with a more pointless Baron and Fade Rautha and Thufir Hollow oh, nonsense. This I they're really losing me with this part. I I don't. They're just like sitting around and he's like, "Oh, you're really gonna kill me, Bo? But you're not because you know I need to be the Baron." <laughs> they everybody in this scene is dead by the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. The only reason this is important is because something the Baron said offhand made the Emperor think that the Baron was using Arrakis to, like, make his own version of the Sardaukar. Yes, yeah, he wa- he wanted to... He says to Count Fenring, the, the plan is to make uh, Arrakis a uh, Salud Secundus or whatever. The, mm-hmm. the Salusa word. Secundus, yes. the Emperor's prison planet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like a good vocal warm-up. Which they talk about, like, I think twice during a page. 
Then, yeah, like, Doofer says Seleucus Secundus, and he's like, you mean the Emperor's prison planet? Yeah. Like, yeah. no, that's the Emperor's <laughs> prison planet. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's, that's his, he wants to make Arrakis that, and, uh, and then the Baron's like, I might have told the Spymaster I was planning to do this, and he's like, that was catastrophically stupid. <laughs> but we, well, we could talk about this forever, but it, it doesn't matter. But Paul and Shawnee have a son, Leto II. Yep, not a... He, uh, uh, I mean, who can? I mean, <laughs> this is not important. <laughs> no, wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait till it comes up in the book. Uh, he's very important to this book, uh, but more importantly, Jessica uh, has given birth to a daughter, Paul's sister Alia, and she is a super smart, creepy baby because yeah. she's two and she is a conscious adult with all the wisdom and knowledge of all the Reverend Mothers. Yep. Um. And she doesn't fit in at school. <laughs> she doesn't. She's getting There's bullied. A scene where she's being left out because she talks like an adult. Yeah. And another thing that took me out of it was when they have a whole conversation where she's like, I'm a freak. And I'm like, well, are you in American high school? Yeah, like, I know. Like, <laughs> really? They laughed out loud. There's like, there's sandworms. Like, you're not a freak. Like, what does that even mean in the context of this world? Like, no, you're not. Paul is a freak. It's very funny. A freak with elfin features. <laughs> yeah, the she's getting... Uh, 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 Hera is Paul's uh, wife servant, right? That's her name? Yeah. Yep. Uh, she, she... They have, like, this really weird moment where... It, I guess it's, like, nice, but I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? Where. Uh, he's like, who called you? It's like, it feels like it belongs in a totally different book. It, it like they're talking about like how she's getting bullied, and the mom's like, well, you, well, well, you're you're just uh, you're just as normal as anybody else is, honey. And she's like, boy, thanks. And I'm like, okay, I'll go talk to them. And yeah, I'm like, cool. You're just misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then the chapter ends. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like. Uh, Herbert was like, "Oh fuck, this scene has just women in it. I don't." Uh, yeah, uh, what, 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 what do women talk about? <laughs> um, the girl doesn't fit in. The girl's being bullied. <laughs> um, but the big in these two years, uh, Paul has sort of become uh, in charge of all the Fremen, and he's teaching them battle tactics, and Jessica is teaching them the weirding way, uh, and they're becoming super powerful. Uh, a super powerful army and so they're like sabotaging the Harkonnens and doing raids and stuff oh I guess uh, we forgot to talk about this Paul like chooses the name uh, Muad'Dib yes uh, which means mouse which means mouse and they're like okay whatever <laughs> well he's like it's it's a really I thought this was a dumb scene where he's like well Paul internally is like well I'm Muad'Dib in all the visions where I'm evil and he's like how about Paul Muad'Dib and I'm like what this course is something <laughs> different then like what the fuck <laughs> whatever Paul has uh, an elite force of death commandos That's who are his badass. personal bodyguards <laughs> it's pretty sweet. The, called the Fideakin. Um and I think it's a, it's implies that 
that was started by the little boys who were um, oh really Harris because it's because I was thinking about like oh yeah they sort of started being his little bodyguards and then two years later he has a whole like platoon of death commandos and like it must be like those two little boys were like we're start we're doing this for our new dad that's awesome I, I didn't even think about that that's so funny and Paul is a fully fledged and integrated Fremen except for one thing and that means he has to ride a sandworm yep it might you want to talk about riding the sandworm i guess it might be the only thing if you if you don't know anything about dune dune this might be the only thing you do know about dune is that somebody rides a sandworm at one point uh and the fact that it happens three quarters of the way through the book yes it sure does so essentially uh the you like have these two big like uh sticks and when the worm goes by you you got to like jam them in between the scales of the worm mm-hmm. and then you can ride the worm around and this means in the fremen culture that you have sort of conquered the uh the desert like you are fully fledged fremen uh meaning you can live in the desert uh, not and not be scared of any of the natural dangers that come with it. Uh, and Paul like really biffs it up and gets to do a big argument with uh, Stilgar about this. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, whatever. You're you're good. You're technically a fremen. Well, and this was another moment where he's like, and an- another day where that my actions will become legend because like the sandworm approaches it approaches and he's like this is the biggest sandworm that oh yeah it's the biggest happened. one the, yeah on like the whole planet or yeah it, maybe not literally but it's and the biggest like, one they've ever seen i guess they really think i am the chosen one because of this too probably so he does that and it's fine um he gets reunited with gurney halleck oh, who yeah. is in charge of all the smugglers <laughs> and okay so you're gonna so you're gonna say something about this so Paul learns that Gurney Halleck is alive and, like, doesn't want to make contact lest the Harkonnens find out through someone. Um, But at some point he decides, like, oh, I'm going to make contact with him. So they, like, raid the smugglers that the the Fremen that Paul's part of raid the smugglers that uh, Gurney Halleck is sort of leading. So we get, so at the end of the Sandworm chapter, they see the Ornithopter above them. And Paul is, like... Oh, that might they that's smugglers, but we don't want them to find us, so we better go kick their ass. But Paul, they've intercepted like a message or whatever. Like he knows Gurney Halleck is out here somewhere. So they go and do and do that. We get POV for switches next chapter. Gurney Halleck, POV. And he's like, We've got some new guys in this crew. And they seem nice. And and I've got new <laughs> best friends. And then he turns around and all of them have been killed by Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul and the Fremen have like raided the uh, their their spice. Uh, 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 wh- uh, what do you what 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 do you call it? The spice mine thing. Uh, yeah, spice patch or something. Yeah, they have that. They have one of those, and then like oh the the like the carry all or the fact yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. takes the spice out of the ground out yeah. of the sand. They have a big battle over that, and uh, Paul and Gurney Halleck like meet again and they hug each other. And and Gurney Halleck's like we just learned he felt really close to a bunch of these guys and and the Fremen like killed over half of them, and it doesn't even Gurney's like whatever. <laughs> like, I'm there's cool. one I think there's one line where Gurney is like, "Huh, I never thought Paul would have such a Paul didn't used to have such a disregard for human life. I guess he's really changed." <laughs> like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he's still like super on board. 
but yeah, it just it, it made me laugh. Like they kill all of his new best friends, and he's like, whatever. I, I'm Paul for life. I'd feel this so kid betrayed. I knew once is yeah, a- I know. <laughs> I'd be so pissed off if I'm one of these guys. I'm just like trying to get an easy paycheck. Well, I don't know. Just getting the carry all, make a couple, make a make some ching and then fucking a bunch of this this the crazy white deeb. Yeah, this crazy white boy kills me. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet comes out of the sand, and stabs me in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just was. I thought that. I thought it was kind of silly. And Paul's like, uh, and then uh, he they like round up the other half that they didn't kill, and they're like, well, I'll I'll think about what I'm gonna do about them. But <laughs> we never hear. We never hear about them again. So you have to assume they all died. <laughs> and, I, I guess. I don't know. The only the only thing that comes out of that is some of the people in the smuggler crew are Sardaukar, which are who are like the emperor's elite fighting force, and they're there to spy. They're there to try to figure out where Paul is because word has spread of this upstart prophet among the Fremen, and it's hurting. It's hurting the prophets coming from Arrakis. Prophets with an F. Yes. Um, and so I also clocked. Captured. I, 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 sorry to interrupt. I also clocked that. There's a line about that where he's like, "The prophets are coming," and I thought I was like, ah, uh. oh, "I only cl- I only clocked that right now." <laughs> oh, really? So, I was like, yeah. "I see you. I see what you're doing, Frank." <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so then. Paul, like, captures the Sardaukar and, like, kills one of them and then releases one of them to, like, tell the Emperor, like, I'm here, bitch. And it's Paul Atreides. There's this, there's this hilarious part where they're, like, they're having, like, coffee or whatever and then there's, like, a commotion. Also, wait, wait, can we pause? Yeah. It, it takes me out every time when they have coffee. I know, they have coffee. Like, they have in coffee. Desert, he's like, oh, and, uh, Paul's during coffee, coffee service, Paul, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Hera gives him a new, or Chani gives him like a new coffee set. No, he kills this guy. He kills Jameis, and then he's like, "You get Jameis's coffee maker. <laughs> you get his wife, her two sons, who will be your little boy bodyguards, and his coffee set." <laughs> but anyway, they're they're making what a oh goofy book. They're making coffee or whatever, and they're Mr. Coffee. They're, uh, <laughs> and, uh, there, there's a commotion outside, and, like, some of the Sardaukar disguises the Fremen, ha- or as the smugglers have, like, escaped and are fighting. And, like, Gurney Alex, like, how can you be so sure they're Sardaukar? And then one of them literally throws a knife at Paul, and he catches it, and it has, like, the Imperial logo for Sardaukar <laughs> on it. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> It was very silly. I, I I was like, and he's like, "That's how." And I'm like, "What book is this? What are we doing here?" It's a sci-fi book from the '60s. Yeah, I know. They're, like parts like that, I'm like, "Oh." Right. And I think that people talk about it like it's aged well. And I think it has some, not. I think I think it hasn't aged horribly. No, no. And no. like a lot of the ideas are still incredibly unique, but there's a lot of this goofy stuff where it's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it is it is a pretty silly book. Um so the next thing that happens is all the young men want Paul to challenge Stilgar and he uh because like it's the Fremen tradition that like whoever's uh in charge has to be the per has to like overpower the person who's currently in charge. And uh Paul convinces them with facts and logic <laughs> that uh hey Stilgar knows what he's doing we probably shouldn't kill our best commander and they're like okay yeah they agree and that was right built away. up to be a bigger thing than it was yeah <laughs> but he basically 
but I guess part of it is he uses sort of the language of their ritualistic culture to like get what he wants, which is what he's been doing this whole time. But now the Fremen are on the same page. And then two seconds after that, he's like, I should uh, go try to drink that poison. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's like, uh, Paul gets, gets it Ch- into his Chani, head. Johnny, wait here. <laughs> and then he goes. He gets it into his head that he'll be able to solve all the problems if he drinks the, the water of life. And so he goes yes. and does that. It'll prove, if he can convert it into something, into that crazy psychedelic drug, it'll prove that he's the Kwisatz Haderach, or the male Bene Gesserit, because only, like, Bene Gesserit Reverend Mothers are supposed to be able to do that. And if he does it, he's even more OP than he was before. <laughs> and spoiler um, alert, he uh, does it. Yeah, he does it. <laughs> and Chani and his mom are all worried about him. He's in a coma for three weeks, and then he wakes up and is like... Is everyone ready for the climax of the book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that is what happens. Yeah, there's like this whole weird part where they're like, oh my god, Paul might be dead, but you're like, there's like 50 pages left. (laughs) He's not dead. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's like, what are we doing? There's no no tension. I I don't know. It's a weird little part. He's like, I did it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he like wakes up and he's like, I did it on the Quidzak Cataract. It's like, okay, and, right. And uh, b- buckle in, guys. Yeah. The I, Emperor's here. He's like, the Emperor's here, and all the senators are here above the planet right now, and we attack tonight. Yep. And so here is uh, where the book ends. <laughs> uh, there's a big climax. Uh, the Emperor is in town <laughs> to, like, uh, confront the Harkonnens, I think, or to find Paul or something. Like, he's just there just like, address problems. And there is a scene with the Emperor, and I don't remember what happens. We finally get introduced to Princess Irulan, who is the Emperor's daughter, and she's the author of all the epigraphs we've been reading before every chapter. So she... So this scene happens because uh, Paul and and all the warriors are, like... At some like forward operating base, like right outside yeah, the like shield wall of Arakeen, yeah. And then uh, he gets a message that is all garbled. But what Paul learns is that like their CH, their uh, like camp was just raided, and his son Leto was killed. Um, and, and they captured Aaliyah. So Duke, uh, so Leto the second, who born off screen. Yeah, he, he died as he lived, <laughs> not <laughs> in the screen, novel, <laughs> not in the book. Uh, and then they're all sad about it. Like Paul and Johnny are so sad. And you're like, I have no. This is not ours. <laughs> it's very funny. But the, there's a scene with the emperor. That baby and, dying was very the, funny. It was. It was so. It's so funny when a baby dies, folks. Um, <laughs> but the scene with the Baron and the emperor. The the emperor is like. Uh, He's, like, giving him, like, leading questions. It's like, well, have you ever been to the South? Probably not, because it's so dangerous, right? The Baron's like, oh, my God, it's so dangerous, I never go there. And then the Emperor's like, whoa, look at this! And then uh, Aaliyah, like, walks out. And Aaliyah's like, my brother is Paul. And the Baron's like, what? <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then uh, they're, like, having this argument, and the Emperor's like, uh, and how about you, little weird little adult baby? Uh, what do you think about this? And the Betty Jesuits, uh, oh, the Reverend Mother from the beginning of the book, the very yes. beginning of the book is there. And she's, she's like, the Emperor's uh, truth sayer, so she yeah. can, like, see through all lies. And she's like, oh, this kid is fucked up, this kid is so gross and weird and bad. And then the little girl, she's like, like, like you're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then and she's like, ah! 
and then the wall behind the emperor explodes and they all and- turn around and there's like a bit there are all these cool dudes riding sandworms and uh alia stabs the baron with the gamja bar and he does a needle yep and then the baron dies uh and so what happened was this big they're going to attack the capital and the emperor at the same time as, as this big sandstorm and there's like a shield wall that sort of protects the it's like a series of cliffs or a rock wall that protects capitals the capital city from like the brunt of these huge sandstorms um and not unlike uh stormlight archive yeah big <laughs> yep anyway big um <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it all comes uh, back to the greatest living writer of all time. <laughs> um, and so they use uh, atomic bombs to blow up the shield walls so that they can attack at the same time as this sandstorm at full force hits this city. So none of the, like the emperor and all the people like, can't escape to space in their ships. And they ride sandworms in and fight the Sardaukar. And uh, it'd be pretty cool to like, get a description of that battle and not just have it be, you know, one sentence long. Yeah, we like, oh, I guess it. that'd be cool. But we don't get any of that. We don't get it. And the Baron just dies from this little girl. The Baron dies. And then the next chapter, Paul walks into the emperor's giant metal hut. Uh, victorious. He's like, well, we won, guys. Yep. And he's like, hey, Emperor, you make me Emperor, or I'm going to destroy all the spice. And he's like, I won't do that. Talk to your friend Thufir Hawat. And Thufir <laughs> comes by, and he's like, I will not use this poison needle to poison uh, Paul. And he poisons himself and dies. Um, and then Paul is like, I'm the Kwisatz Haderach, but Reverend Mother, I'm not going to listen to anything you say. And she's like, oh, no. Uh, and then he talks to the Spacing Guild, and this is the big reveal: is that the the Spacing Guild is completely reliant on the spice, because in order to ensure safe passage of their ships, they need that like the future sight of the spice. Um, so we so Paul can threaten to destroy it, and the guild is like, okay, we'll do whatever you say. And then Paul's about to win when Fade Routha is like. Hey, remember how we hate each other? Can I fight you with knives? But they don't. They this is the first time they've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's their feud. He like invokes like their the feud between their houses. Yeah. Um, Chum, Chum, and then Chun. What's it called? It's like Chanley. Yeah, Chanley. Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds like a, like a a guy. <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to say hey, Chanley. Like, hey. Stanley and Charlie. <laughs> Yeah. Chanley. Hey, Chanley's here. It's like two best friends, <laughs> Stanley and Charlie. Uh, so Paul kills Fader Altha in about two seconds. Yep. Um, and then Paul's like, hey, here's what I want. I want all my friends to have a lot of money. And I want to be the emperor. Deal. And I want to marry your daughter. Deal. Deal. And the emperor's like, deal. <laughs> and then the end ends with uh, Jessica telling chani that they're gonna be really mean to princess irulan yep <laughs> and yep. then the book ends sweet crazy so he i was a little unclear about this paul does become the emperor he's he's he doesn't just yes. say like i'm gonna be it next he is now the emperor yes he was like all right emperor you're gonna liquidate all your holdings in the chome company give them to me and you're gonna retire on your estate and i will be emperor now Oh yeah, he was gonna send him to Seleucus Secundus to like live, and he's like, "No, we'll make it nice. <laughs> it's like you'll live there." <laughs> Any other like 
thoughts you had about specific sections. I have, um, I like two things. No, um, please. But do you have ahead. anything? Um, the whole, we can talk about this now because you mentioned it earlier. The whole Jessica being the traitor and everyone thinking she's the traitor. I think is, I was so annoyed by that the whole time. Really? Where Thufir like hates her. Yeah. Because he like heard once that she, he gets, cause he like doesn't like her. <laughs> and he's supposed to be this hyper logical guy. And yeah, then like that's true. Gurney like heard it too and like, oh, it must be true. And then it gets resolved in like two seconds and then it's never important. Yeah. The, the, I just it'd like be, to, it'd be more interesting if there were consequences to that misunderstanding, but there are no consequences to that misunderstanding. Like if Gurney Halleck actually killed Jessica, yeah, or like hurt her, and that had some thing, or like yeah, and then like hurt her, and then Paul had to like execute Gurney or something, and then like yeah. that, you know, like it would drive him closer to, to like go, the jihad. Yeah, make these characters have to go through something. I just like that it was consistent because they never actually got the information. I just appreciated that, like. Yes. On screen, they're all at all times until learned otherwise. We're like, these are my beliefs. I like that they didn't just like, sur- like, well, I guess it probably wasn't her. I guess we don't have to deal with that anymore. I was just happy that like it was consistent. Sure, but sure, sure, your sure. your complaints are, you're valid. You're being very valid right now, Dilla. Oh, thank you for validating. Yes, my of course. I always I need someone to validate my complaints. <laughs> you need yeah. this for me. <laughs> my part, my parking, my complaints. The two things I need validated. <laughs> uh, I also really liked uh the descriptions of the planet like there's like the variety it's like it's not just sand like they talk about like the varieties of sand and like here are these rock formations and like this sort of sand is different and then like the colors of the sunset and the sunrise and the moon at night and stuff like that like i thought the the descriptions of the planet were really um fleshed out and i liked it to be a to have a horrible stereotype. It's almost like the planet is another character in the book. <laughs> yeah, mm, almost. I've never heard that before. Yeah. The settings like a the 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 sixth planet like another character. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. That's all I have to say about specific stuff. Uh should we talk about the book as a whole? Yeah, I guess so. All right. What do you got to say? I mean, if you didn't if I uh if it wasn't in the cultural imaginary that this was a seminal work of science fiction, I would not have thought that was the case after just reading this first one. That's for sure. Yeah. Like I don't understand the the obsession with this series. Like I There's a lot of hype. Yeah, there is. And it might be is it overstated to call it Mistborn syndrome <laughs> where <laughs> describing what happens and thinking about it in retrospect makes it seem better than it is. Yeah, I mean that that Cause tracks. You talk, you, yeah, because you talk to people about like the sandworms, and there's like there's the spacing guild that controls the space travel, and there's a prophet in the desert who can see the future. You know. Yeah, it sounds yeah. all very cool, and then it's this book is it. I don't know. It's just not written very well like again i feel like yeah this thing it's like little subplots and chapters that kind of lead nowhere it feels like it's all set up um which it and is not, yeah but also like not in a way that the next book would be payoff like the plot things do all tie up but just like right. not in a satisfying way like i feel like the last battle could have been you know a whole part of the book about like oh they're doing this and then like paul's on a sandworm and like 
you know, maybe Gurney Halleck dies or something, you know, who knows? But like, well, we, oh, and all his all his friends are fine and they get a bunch of money and power in the new empire. And we keep like hearing about this, the beast Raban, like this terrible, despot ruler of Arakeen. And he just is not in the, he's on two pages of this whole book. We'd rather go to Getty Prime to see a knife fight that doesn't matter than to talk about like the main ruler of Dune, yeah. of Arrakis after Duke Leto. And, like, the book frames Fade Rautha and Paul's, like, showdown as some, like, I know it came after, but some fucking D- Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader-esque showdown. And it's like, no, they have no relationship <laughs> other than they are both, like, one is the successful, like, experiment making the Quitsox Hatteract. And the other one yeah. is just some creep. And there's no tension because, you know, Paul's going to win. <laughs> right, yeah, of course. Like, and it's not going to cost him anything. Like, it is... It's it's hard to tell whether... Is this a uh, um, uh, commentary on, like, Chosen One myth? Where he's just good at everything all the time and is not really a character and just wins everything? Because in the first part of the book, he's like, Yeah, I'm going to use uh, the Fremen and control the spice to... Uh, blackmail the emperor and become emperor and then he does it <laughs> yeah he does exactly that <laughs> and it's that. a pretty straight line <laughs> yeah i don't know i was just left feeling sort of f- flat fell flat for me dune did yeah i agree and that's it's cool oh it's definitely ideas, cool i think the ideas are very cool and i think for me that's what stands out is like the world building part of it still feels very fresh and unique despite the fact that it's influenced all these things like the still suits that trap the water mixed with like the spacing guild needs this natural resource to see the future to make sure the faster than light travel they don't crash into any planets and so they have a monopoly like i think that stuff's all very cool that like i don't know if it's so unique that like it would be really immediately obvious if anyone tried to copy the oh, yeah, specific definitely. parts of this. Yeah. Like the general part of like evil empire, chosen one overthrows it, you know. Um, but I think the specifics are where it shines. Maybe not the plotting or the characters. No, character. Yeah. Characters definitely not. But yeah, I don't know. It was fine. Yeah. I, I agree. It was fine. I was like, like I said before, like I started out annoyed and then I liked it and then I ended it annoyed. Yeah. And I like, I don't know, maybe this just isn't, I've heard that uh, Frank Herbert, I don't know if he said this or like a reviewer said this, but like, I think he said it, that he writes science fiction for people who don't read science fiction. Hmm. And it's like, I do like science fiction, um, but this just wasn't, I don't know, this wasn't for me. It also isn't. It isn't really science fiction. No. It's like, uh, maybe by the, um, sort of the measure of the day it was, but it's more like space fantasy. Yeah. And even then, I mean, it's barely fan, like they have swords and it's just like, it's just like, I don't know. Like there's large swaths of this book where they're just, people are just like characters who are poorly written are sitting around talking to each other. And it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) How they don't fit in at school. Yeah, that was... Man. And people scheming. I guess if you like uh, reading about people's scheming and you... Oh, yeah. And you, and you never want to read between the lines because he writes it all out for you. He will tell you. And I guess that might be fun. Um, 
I think it's, you know, all in all, I think it's worth reading. I think it's still worth reading. But uh, I don't, I was, re- I was reading online and people are like, I've read this book 20 times and I still <laughs> find new things. I'm like, I don't understand how. Like, yeah, it's cool, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. You know what's funny? I uh, I think the movie's going to be better than the book. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to cut out all the bullshit. Yeah. Because I, I basically, what I remembered from the book is what happened in the movie. And then I read all this other stuff about, like, they think Jessica's the betrayer. And then Thufir Hawad and Jessica have, like, a showdown where, like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm... And that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's on the whole first right. part. Um, and then Gurney Halleck and Jessica have a showdown about the same thing, yeah. <laughs> and then that doesn't go anywhere. They just resolve that. So I guess I would say maybe, you know, didn't didn't age badly, because I think all the stuff, and we talked about this a little bit last time, the whole, like, you know, borrowing from Islamic culture for the Fremen, I think, is handled pretty well. Yeah, it's like Islamic and Buddhist and... Um, uh, yeah the spice is oil and it's all about like exploiting cultures for natural resources and yeah the human's relationship to the planet and like fighting proxy wars Mm -hmm. uh in the in the in the in the cultural imaginary of uh, a little bit after you know when this book uh comes out you know vietnam and, and 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 korea was before this Oh yeah, yeah, Korea. Uh, just that was uh, like the forefront of somebody manipulating somebody else to fight somebody else is is <laughs> a big part of this book, and I can imagine reading it at the time it comes out and being like, "Oh, this is just like what's happening now," mm-hmm. but it's also like smart. But I, I don't I, know. Just... I also wish it was more upfront that that's what it was about, because like I think it wa- it's almost like he wanted it to be about that, but like. He was too into the, I'm a 1960s science fiction writer, and so he has to put this, like, court intrigue and political plot stuff that doesn't go anywhere. Whereas, he like, loves he used that world. page count to, like, you know, explore, like, is Paul conflicted about doing this? He always seems conflicted for about, like, one second, and then he's like, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, we cut out all this shit about the fucking chome. Co- like, I don't care how the Emperor, like, liquidates his assets. Like, holy shit, that is not important. Ugh. Uh, Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I agree. I think you should still read it, but I mean, yeah. it's not. Don't, don't, I would not fall into the hype. On I would not, I would not get a ticket uh, aboard the hype train. I'd just read it and take it at face value. Yeah, and it could be part of that part of it that some people like really like it, and then when they reread it, they really like read into it more, maybe. Uh, but like you know, for my money, like the the plot is very fairly straightforward. Yeah, I like, think so. Part with some weird vocabulary, like I don't know. I guess if you've never read sci-fi before, and you're like the Chome Company. Yeah. What? But I, I did like, not oh, understand. Oh, it's a space company. Yeah, like this book did not leave me confused in a in a way that I was like put off. There's by. a glossary at the back. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> so you've if you got don't it. know, you just you just flip and then you look. Don't be intimidated by these like fucking gatekeepers talk about doing. They're like, oh, but it's really hard. No, it's fucking not. Just like if you don't understand something, it's fine because ninety percent, like the chances are that it's going to be explained in simpler terms just later in the book. Yep, you'll be fine. 
You'll be fine. And isn't that really the message at the end of Dune? It'll be fine. Guys, we're all the chosen ones. It's going to be fine. I am the Muad'Dib, the desert mouse. <laughs> Guys. Did you, wait, should I do my book report on oh, the... Oh, yeah, on the appendi- appendices. appendices. Uh, I found these more interesting than the really? <laughs> ending of the book. Yeah. It's, it's clearly... <laughs> It feels so clearly that, like, this is what he was interested in. The first <laughs> yeah. appendix of, like, the Ecology of Dune is, like, they're basically, like, encyclopedia entries about, uh, his name is Pardot Kynes. So he was Liet Kynes' father about how he, and he was the first imperial planetologist on Arrakis. And he talks about, like, figuring out how what what sort of plant life and like the interconnectedness of like oh if we plant the cactus then like we need to have a mouse and then like if we have a mouse we need to have like a hawk and stuff and so it's like him figuring all this out and doing all the calculations about like this is how much you know all the water we need to make dune a paradise is here we just have to like collect it and like what sort of plants we use to anchor the dunes and like it's clearly he was very passionate her frank herbert was very passionate about this part of it and that just seemed cool and it had nothing to do with a future seeing prophet doing yeah. a galactic wide jihad uh the second and the second um appendix was like history of like the religions in this galactic empire and about how there's all these different religions and there's like zen sunni and zen shia which is like zen mixed with like islam and then there's there's all these like compound words of like religions on our world and he talks about like at some point there were like these religious representatives came together to like have the final word on religion and they locked themselves up in a room for like seven years and then one of them committed suicide and then they like tried to distill all the ideas and then like that's how they wrote the orange catholic bible which appears uh and like it led to wars and protests and all that stuff wow. and then it talks about the butlerian jihad where they this is a robot you know, war that's the robot war where they're like no more the robots gain sentience and try to kill everyone and so they're like no more robots um and again it's really seemed like he cared so much about the, the religion aspect um hence why he made like fremen culture super consistent and detailed and well thought out um, yeah that's that's but, the best the fremen are the best part of the book i think yeah yeah it's too bad there's a you know space kings and stuff but yeah i don't care about that and the chome company <laughs> the chome company of course and the spacing guild and then i think another appendix is about like the benny jesuit and how like they all ignored the fact that paul was actually the quiz Hatterack the whole time <laughs> and how that was a mistake oops um, yeah now you know. and then another one's uh the fourth one's like a glossary so that's dune that's dude everybody uh, well sorry i promise i'm not Listen, Dune didn't. I, Dune didn't put me to sleep, but let me tell you. <laughs> should we? Uh, I, the next thing we're reading. Well, maybe we maybe we end the episode and then we chat offline about what the next thing we're reading. Ooh, dear listener, you don't you don't know. You're you're in the dark. We can release it on our on our marketing. Yes. Oh, yeah. We should plug that. You can follow us on like stuff now. It was technically there before, but now there's actually stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, follow at- us on. Uh, 
it, your Instagrams, your uh, mm. your. Uh, uh, it's just an Instagram. I think we have well, we have a Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if we have an Instagram, we got we definitely have a Facebook page. But both is just at uh, Hardcover Hooligans, which w- where we will announce the next book. And if you like the show, please tell your friends because we're a small podcast, but uh, we're gonna keep doing this. So if you like this, please tell people about it. Yes, yes, we do. We, you know, hey. We'll read anything. We read all three Mistborn books. We really cannot sink lower, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the most unpleasant reading experiences of my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'll edit in a better ending. No, that's perfect. (laughs)